0: You're listening to Randall Parker's Film Club with me, Randall Parker. So on today's podcast, we'll be reviewing two films. We'll read some of your emails and we'll get around to doing some of the usual bollocks that we dabble in. Now, before we get started with the usual stuff, I'd just like to mention this. Al Joe, the chap who lives next door, is currently convalescing in hospital after an accident in his bathroom last Monday morning. When I went to visit Joe in the hospital on Tuesday, he was remaining tight lipped on the full details of what happened to him, all he would tell me was that he was doing his morning ablutions when tragedy struck. He was getting out of the shower and apparently slipped on a stray blob of minty natural sauce shower gel and had a nasty fall. When hearing this, my first thought was, natural source shower gel? He's always moaning about how he's got no cash, so how the fuck did he afford that? But once the initial shock of that wore off, I was glad to hear that he's not too serious and should be back home in the next few days. When visiting him later in the week I managed to get a few more details out of the old sod and it turns out that when our Joe slipped he somehow managed to land arse first onto the handle of his loo brush. Took the doctors two and a half hours to get it out as he had such a tight grip on it. Uh, Managed to grab a word with the boss nurse lady, I think they call them matrons don't they? She said this was the fifth time in as many years that old Joe has been admitted suffering from a bog brush slash arse related injury. She said to me that it's nice that he'd got someone to come and visit him, as normally when he's in here, he's on his own and no one comes to see him. It comes to something when I'm the only company he's got, isn't it? Now, I have heard him mention a sister once, but I think she lives all the way down in Cardiff, and they haven't spoken since the early 80s when they fell out, when they both took opposing sides of the argument when the pound coin was first introduced. When I came back from visiting old Joe on Tuesday, I was greeted by the sight of Judith, the home help outside old Joe's bungalow, with a transit van loading up all of his stuff. Somehow she managed to get hold of the wrong end of the stick and thought Joe had carked it and she was clearing out his flat for the next tenant. Tell you what, she weren't best pleased when I told her that old Joe was OK and she'd have to put it all back, which she begrudgingly did well apart from that reclining armchair as she said it weighed a fucking ton and she'd almost prolapsed when she was loading it up so she just kicked it out of the back doors of the van where it remains on the front lawn getting piss wet through in the rain Randall Parker's Film Fact The early James Bond films were initially financed by using the proceeds from the royalties that the Broccoli family made from inventing the vegetable that they named after themselves Randall Parker's Film fact. As it's February and it's fucking freezing most nights, I tend not to go out as much as I would during the summer months. So I found that I got a hole in my social calendar and ended up going along to Slow Francis' 50th birthday party, which was held on Friday night. Well, I say party. It was a select gathering of me, Mum, Mr White, Slow Francis and about five of his dense warhammer mates. The stench of B.O. was overpowering, made your eyes sting. Fucking had no word of a lie, it smelled like a grapefruit processing plant. I decided to turn up nice and early because I didn't want to miss out on the buffet and it did piss me off slightly the fact that Mum and Mr White had gone all out with no expense being spared. I mean they'd even got some chicken goujons. Now I don't know if you know what they are but they're a bit like chicken nuggets only slightly longer. They'd really gone overboard which was annoying because when it was my birthday I was on the run and they didn't even notice I was missing. At first when all of his crap mates turned up I thought to myself I didn't realise it was fancy dress. Felt a bit underdressed, you know, and I would have put my Stormtrooper helmet on, you know, if I'd have known. Right, firstly one of them turns up dressed like a cross between Peter Davidson's Doctor Who and Tracy Beaker. Then one turns up looking like Sloth from the Goonies. Then another one turns up the spitting image of Jackson Galaxy, the cat bloke. If you don't know of me, look him up on Google. So I says to Francis, sorry mate, I didn't realise it was a fancy dress party. But he says, no it ain't, this is the gang, it's just how they normally dress. I mean, one of them was wearing a moped helmet, and he ain't even got a moped. He wore it all fucking night. Figure that one out. What a sight to be old Slow Francis and the Warhammer wankers. Right, the tubby fuckers went to the buffet like nothing I've ever seen. They were shoveling it in like there was no tomorrow. I don't think I saw a single one of them chew a single morsel. There they were, just swallowing pork pies and scotch eggs whole. But one thing I did notice is they left the fucking salad untouched. Then it was on to gifts. The bunch of cocks spent the best part of an hour right, passing Slow Francis' gifts and he'd unwrap them and spend ages wanking off all over them. Not literally, but nearly. Each gift was something to do with crappy war hammer right, and he'd go into this massive monologue about how they'd strengthen his squad for the up and coming regional competition at the Town Hall. This really did surprise me. I honestly didn't realise they had competitions. I thought all that Warhammer entailed was a group of sad fuckers sitting round at each other's houses, right, stinking of sweat, trumping endlessly, whilst talking bollocks about tin soldiers, whilst consuming endless six-packs of crisps and drinking coca-cola straight out of two-litre bottles. By the way, if you're wondering, I bought the bell in two packets of smart price Jaffa cakes. Wasn't going to splash out on the brick. Tell you what, they really are a boring bunch of see you next Tuesdays. So boring, one of them, right. I would call him the fat one, but it wouldn't be fair to single him out as the fat one, as all the others had put in a fair bit of effort in that direction. So for argument's sake, we'll call him Giacomo. Well, well, when Giacomo found out I did a film podcast, he pipes up and says, Oh, I went to the cinema last week. And there was this long pause, right? And I was waiting for the rest of the story. And it didn't come. That was it. That was the fucking story. Right? Then the one who looked like an obese Tracy Beaker dressed up like the fifth Doctor Who, right? Well, he kept looking at me, right? Like I was the weird one. Anyway, at one point, I managed to make him cry in front of all of his dowsy mates when I said that Jodie Whittaker's Doctor Who was even shitter than Sylvester McCoy's and made Colin Baker's go at it look like an absolute tour de force. And then Mum said that if I couldn't play nice, I'd be sent home before we had the jelly and ice cream. I do not mind it but I was only speaking the truth. Look, I've got no problem with Doctor Who being a woman. Just that woman. She just don't look right. She looks more like your mate's annoying sister. Tell her I'm glad she's fucking off. Anyway, before they brought the cake out I managed to have a quick chat with Mum and I asked if didn't it bother her that Fat-Handed Beryl's lad was living under her roof. But she said that Mr White thought he owed it to Francis to look after him whilst his mum was away. And Mum enjoyed having him around the house and she said he's like the son I never had. Towards the end of the night, Mr White gets his camera out and tells me to go stand next to your brother Francis. Brother Francis? Makes him sound like a monk. Which I do suppose is quite apt, as he's got a fucking bowl haircut like one. It has to be one of the most boring nights I've ever had, and that's saying something. Our mates with Big Ken. Anyway, the party came to an abrupt end around about half eight when they had to call an ambulance for Giacomo, who it turns out has a nut allergy. Something I didn't realise until after I'd managed to flick a dry-roasted nut into his gob when he dropped off on the sofa. Fucking cracking shot it was. Straight in. Emails. Anyway, enough of that bullshit. Let's crack on with some emails. We've got a few, so let's dive straight in. Our first one goes. Dear Randall, imagine the scenario. You are visiting an old army buddy of yours in hospital who is suffering from some form of cancer that he got when he was doing some secret missions back in the day. You fought alongside him for many, many years, and you were very close. And after you've had a chat and given him his latest copy of Take a Break and a Bunch of Grapes, you leave. As you are walking through the main foyer of the hospital, you notice that a cleaner is packing a firearm, which you find suspicious. You follow him and find out he's part of a crack Eastern European team of mercenaries, and they are plotting to steal a virus that what they are making at the hospital. You kill the team of baddies one by one until their boss is left and you find out that it is your buddy who is behind the whole thing and he's double-crossed you, but more importantly, he's broken your heart because you saw him as a brother. You have to take the bastard down and engage him in combat. My question is this. What hospital implement would you use to dispatch the evil fucker? Warm regards, Jeff Hurst. Tell you what, it's all going on down the hospital, ain't it? First got old Joe with his anus shenanigans, and now a bunch of terrorists stealing a virus. But in answer to your question, well I know that most people would go straight for the scalpel. It is a good choice right, nice and sharp, but the only problem is, and you run the risk of him taking it off you. Some others may go for a big syringe full of some sort of poison, but once again, uh, you'd have to be toe-to-toe with them and you might get overpowered and that poison would end up in your neck. But for me, I'd probably want something that would give you a nice distance between you and your opponent, but still have the capability of doing the fucker in. So for me, I'd probably go for one of those stands that they use, you know, that they put a drip on, right? It gives you about six foot between you and your assailant, but if you caught him with a swing of that, you'd take his fucking head off. Job done. I hope that's answered your question, Jeff. Thank you so much for contacting the podcast. And the next email goes... Dear Randall, as humans, are we truly autonomous thinkers or are our thoughts controlled by something else? Steve Turner, Gloucester Let's try this one. Dear Randall, I love most X-Men films. Well, the first two, then First Class, Days of Future Past, The Wolverine and Logan. The rest of them can fuck right off. In fact, a couple of Christmases ago, my nana, God rest her soul, bought me the entire X-Men collection on DVD. Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix are still in the cellophane, destined never to be opened. I often dream of a world where mutant beings can be accepted and are not hunted down and killed. If you were fortunate enough to be blessed with mutant powers, what do you think they would be? Best wishes, Claude Littner, London. He does realise they're made up, don't he? I do hope he doesn't think they're documentaries. I'm a little bit concerned about him, actually. I think you may need to talk to someone, Claude. But on to your question, there are some fucking brilliant X-Men powers, ain't there? There's that one where you can bend metals, there's that one that Wolverine has where he can't drop dead, Uh, and then there's one where you can run dead fast, and then there's that sitting down thinking one that the bald fella does. I would normally go for something like going invisible on command, so you could nip into the cinema for free. But that's a bit obvious, ain't it? Plus, I don't think I could resist the temptation of nipping into the ladies' changing rooms in Primark. So I think I'm going to probably go for something like when I go for a shit, it came out like lumps of gold. I'd never have to worry about money again, would I? Yeah, I'm going to go with shitting gold as my X-Men power. Mind you thinking about it, you don't actually choose your own X-Men power, do you? You just get what you're given. So I'll probably want shitting gold as my power, but end up with something really crap like, um, I don't know, Unlocking a car door by just thinking really hard about it. Good question that was, Claude. Thanks for getting in touch. Now brace yourselves.
1: Strange
0: sounds from the dark corridor. We have an email from the arch-nemesis of the podcast. Now for those of you who might be new listeners, this bloke is a right shadow with a rival film podcast and he tries to sound mysterious by calling it the dark corridor because Colin Forrester's film podcast don't have the same ring to it. Well, his email goes, Dear Randall, Firstly, I would like to congratulate your mother and Mr Watt on their recent marriage, and it doesn't surprise me that they took the opportunity to take the plunge whilst you were out of the picture. I wish them many, many years of happiness. God knows they both deserve it. But on to the main reason for me sending you this email. I have taken advice and I have been told that I have grounds to proceed with legal action and force you to cease this charade of a podcast. On many occasions you have stated that the list of greatest films of all time is the list which is displayed on my website www.thisisadarkcorridor.com. So you have openly admitted to breaching the copyright that I have over this list. If you stop with this nonsense now I shall not pursue this any further and we can both go our separate ways. It's taken me nearly 12 months to find a way to force you to stop, but I think I have finally managed. I look forward to you winding your podcast up in the near future. Kind regards, The Dark Corridor. Well, he can fuck right off for a start. What a pile of dog shit. I should be suing you mate for 137 quid for me train ticket to London, and 350 quid I wasted sending Milky Eyed Gregor to beat the fuck out of you. Listen, pal, you can't copyright the fucking internet, you daft bastard. People can't go around copyrighting words. I mean, you can't just walk down the street, right? See an old biddy in the butchers and say, "Yo can't order sausages cos I ordered them yesterday and I earned the word sausages. Sounds like you've finally flipped your fucking pillock. As for wishing Mum and Mr White congratulations, keep your nose out of other people's business. Get your own stepdad, you prick. Go on, do one. The old marriage is doomed to fail if this fanny's bunging his wake behind it. That's enough of that, mess of bollocks. Let's crack on. So on to today's reviews. Later on, we'll be reviewing a film from 2017 requested by a listener. But for now, we're going to be turning our attention to a classic film off a non-specific list of greatest films of all time. And definitely not the list of www.thisisthedarkcorridor.com. Tell you what, he's right pissed me off there. Tell you what, if you're going past Longford Road in the Cholton-Cum-Hardy area of Manchester, then why don't you pop round to the dark corridors house and give him a good kick in the fucking knackers? Should be easy to spot which one's his house. It's the one with the arrogant twat in it. But I've gone slightly off subject there, haven't I? Right, so back to our film review. Uh, our first film today is from 1997, made in Iran, and it's called Taste of Cherry, and directed by a fella called Abbas Kiarostami. Don't think I've gone anywhere near pronouncing that right, but let's crack on. Film starts with this bloke, Mr Baddy, and he's driving around Tehran, which is in Iran, and he keeps driving past a load of blokes and looking at them right weird. And you kind of think to yourself, hang on a minute, is he looking for a bit of trade? You know, bumming like. Well, it turns out he ain't. He just drives around for a while, right, and he sees this bloke at a phone box shouting about how he's got no money. So Mr Baddy pulls over. When the bloke's walking off, Mr Baddy says to him, hey, mate. Need some cash? I've got a job for you. Now the bloke, thinking Mr. Baddy wants a bit of sexy sex, says to him, look pal, fuck off before I smash you in the gob. So Mr. Baddy fucks off. Anyway, after a bit more driving, I tell you what, most of the budget on this film must have gone on petrol. Well, after driving for a bit, he sees this young soldier who's off for a bit of a walk and he says to him, why not up in? I'll give you a lift. So the lad does and they go for a bit of a drive around and they have a chat and get to know each other. Mr Baddy says to the soldier, how would you fancy earning a bit of cash? And the soldier says, I'm not sucking you off. And Mr Baddy says, "Now, mate, it's not that. Let's drive up this hill and I'll show you the job. So the car stops at the top of the hill and Mr Baddy says to the soldier, get out of the car and have a look at this hole. And the lad says, I don't want to look at your hole, thank you very much. But Mr Baddy don't mean his bum hole. He means a hole he's dug under a cherry tree. And he says to the soldier, right, uh, what I want you to do is tomorrow morning at 6am, come out here, shout Mr Baddy, Mr Baddy, and then help me out the hole, unless I've topped myself, in which case, fill the fucking hole in. And the soldier says, you're a fucking nutter pal, and legs it off, never to be seen again. So Mr Baddy thinks so, bollocks, and sets off to find someone else to bury him when he turns the lights out. He passes a load of people working on a road then comes across a security guard who seems to live in a greenhouse and they have a chat and Mr Baddy says to him let's go for a drive but the security guard says nah pal, I can't be arsed ask me mate who lives over there under a bush he's training to be a vicar so Mr Baddy picks the trainee vicar up and he set off for a drive Mr Baddy says I want to top myself I'm not telling you why I want to top myself I just want to top myself and that's that and the vicar says thanks for considering me for the position but as I'm going to be a vicar I can't do it and he exits the car. So Mr. Baddy's back on the prowl again, and he meets this old codger and gives him a lift. And they drive around for ages, and he asks the old duffer to come up to the hole in the morning and either help him out or fill the owl in. And the old duffer says, Yeah, I could do with the cash, because my kid's poorly. And they drive about for a bit, and the old codger says, Why do you want to end it? And Mr. belly says, Just do, none of your business so then the old fucker tells a long story about how many many years ago he wanted to pop his clog so set off with a rope to hang himself but somehow managed to end up up a tree eating mulberries and thinking fuck that suicide lark because the mulberries were so juicy and made him reappraise his life I tell you what he didn't have bang on about them fucking mulberries it was like a fucking advert for him right he tries to convince mr Baddy that life ain't shit it's just a bit shit now and might get less shit in the future they go their separate ways, and the old cock says, I'll see you tomorrow, and if you're dead, I'll fill the fucking hole in. So Mr. Baddy drives off, then decides to turn the car around and chase after the old bloke and say to him, I bung a couple of stones at me just to make sure I'm not dead, because I don't want you to fill the hole in if I'm only kipping. And the old bloke says, OK, I'll make sure, and then they part company. Anyways, we see Mr. Baddy the next morning climb into the hole, and that's sort of where it ends, and you don't find out if he's dead or alive. Now, for a film about someone wanting to top themselves, I found this quite enjoyable. Uh, Ratings-wise, I'm going to put this on a par with something like Pixar classic Wall-E, as you go into it thinking it's going to be right depressing and come out pleasantly surprised. That was A Taste of Cherry. Watch that if you want to see a man in a range rover burn a hole the size of Africa in the ozone layer with his exhaust emissions. Thursday just gone was the funeral of Reggie Richards who used to run Reggie's snack caravan and it was lovely to see such a large turnout at St Chad's. Uh, Many of the familiar faces from around town were there and some of Reggie's old gang turned up to bid him a fond farewell. Claude Pete read a lovely piece in the church from the Daily Express from back in the day when he and Reggie turned over a wages van just before the Silver Jubilee in 1977. It was nice to see his son, Mark, was allowed to attend the funeral and he was accompanied by two massive prison officers from HMP Manchester. And even though me and Mark haven't seen eye to eye since I reminded everyone he shat himself at the fair, he did manage not to threaten to kick the shit out of me when he saw me in the church. The prison had kitted him out in a nice suit for the ceremony and he was all very dignified. Well that was until we all followed the coffin to the graveyard and Mark seized the opportunity to make a break for it and got tasered and was last seen being manhandled into the back of a prison transport sopping wet with his own yawing crying like an eight year old girl. Do you have to say that both Jackson, two exes and John Wick, all one word, were well behaved in the church and at the wake afterwards and I did manage to grab a word with Donna who thanked me for making the effort for going along. I did say to her, it was the least I could do, as her dad had given me so much pleasure over the years with his fried egg baps. As a way of thanking me, Donna invited me round to her house on Saturday night, where she cooked me a meal. Well, I'm pleased to announce Donna has certainly inherited her dad's cooking skills, as she whipped up a storm in the kitchen, and I have to say it was the best fish cakes, chips and beans I've had for a long time. And then she gave me a bill for 20 quid. One Park. Film face-off. So I want to film Face Off, the part of the podcast which compares two films with similar themes and plots, analyses them and then tells you which one you should watch. Now both of our films today involve a bunch of criminals who are given the option of spending the rest of their lives in prison or going on a mission that may or may not result in them being killed. But if they succeed they'll have their sentences significantly reduced. So today we'll be comparing Suicide Squad from 2016 and The Suicide Squad from 2021. So both films take a team of riot assholes and send them off to do a dangerous mission and save the world from a bunch of twats. The only main difference being one team has the police detective Luther in it and the other has the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. The Suicide Squad has a giant starfish as the main baddie but Suicide Squad decides to go down the unconventional route of not having a baddie in it. The Suicide Squad as Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, whereas Suicide Squad has Harley Quinn played by Margot Robbie. Suicide Squad has some big shootouts and action sequences, but this Suicide Squad, you do get to see a bloke's face blown off. In Suicide Squad, you get Jared Leto as Joker, but in this Suicide Squad, you get Rocky as a massive shark. But for me, there's something just so dazzling about seeing a starfish having its massive eye eaten up by a bunch of rats. That's just so refreshing. And that's why the winner of this week's film, Face Off, is The Suicide Squad. The second one. Not Suicide Squad. Which was the first. If they make another one, what's it going to be called? A Suicide Squad? Randall Parker's Film Face Off now shout out to the team down at White and Bailey where I work. Well, when I'm not on emergency permanent furlough, still the only person in the country that's on that. Slow Francis has started working down at White and Bailey recently and he's been put in the fabrication department with Dynamite Dan. Bold move from Mr. White there as Dynamite Dan is perhaps the most aggressive fucker on the planet. He seems to go off at the slightest thing. He once had me up by the throat because I'd use the last teabog and not put the new box out. He punched large lionel in the guts for using his mug once and then had a right shout at Susan from packing for breathing too loudly when he walked past her in the warehouse. Got right up in her face and told her to pipe down. Bit over the top, I thought, especially as she was suffering from an asthma attack at the time. He's got some right anger issues as dynamite, Dan. He needs to see someone about that. But I am counting the days until he Slow Francis for slurping his tea or something. I had a chippy tea the other night and got talking to local tramp Tommy Slippers and he filled me in with all the latest news from out and about in the local area. Now Tommy is known for chatting bollocks and I'm not sure how much of what he told me was true because if ex-tennis legend Tim Henman had opened a kebab shop in town more of a fuss would have been made in the Express and Star about it. Randall's Requests So on to our second film this week, and it's one that's been requested by a listener, a lady from a place called Molesworth, just outside Peterborough, and her name is Ophelia Cox, and she wants me to review an animated film from 2017 called The Boss Baby, directed by a bloke called Tom McGrath. Now this film starts with this main kid, who's called Tim, and he's seven, and he's having a whale of a time being seven, like you do, and he's got the full attention of his mum and dad, and one day he comes downstairs and his mum and dad say, hey, here's your baby brother, and he goes, you can fuck that shit right off. And he hates the little twat. The bloody baby won't stop blarting, wailing and being a general prick. Now when the adults are about right, the baby shits and cries and drinks milk like what babies do. But when they're not, he talks proper and Tim confronts him. And the baby says to Tim, shut your bloody trap and keep your fucking nose out. So Tim sets about to expose the little wanker and sneaks into a meeting that the baby's having with all of his baby mates. And manages to record the baby talking. And he's going to play to his mum and dad so they can get rid of the annoying little fucker. So the group of babies try to beat fuck out of Tim and steal the tape and there's this big chase around the garden and there's this big showdown where baby rips the head off Tim's favourite toy and Tim attempts to throw the baby out the window. But mum and dad catch him and he's grounded and has to be nice to the baby even though he's a little twat. Anyway, the baby explains to Tim that he's actually not a real baby but some sort of baby slash man freak who happens to be working for a company called Baby Corps, and their main rival is a company called Puppies Co and Baby Corps are worried that for some reason no one is going to want babies anymore because of this special puppy, Puppies Co, have invented. Honestly, this is an actual film. I'm not making it up. So Tim and the baby have to team up and try to find out what the fuck is going on and who the fuck is behind it all. Turns out that the bloke behind it all is some prick who used to work for Baby Core, but they fucked him off and he set up Puppies Go so he could crush Baby Corps. Honestly, I'd given up by this point. It was so bad. Right. There's this whole load of bullshit about them having to go off to Las Vegas to rescue the parents and ultimately defeat the baddies, and everyone loves each other and it all comes out good in the end. Tell you something, after watching this feast of turds, I had this almighty horrible pain in me right eye and it swelled up and went red. That's how bad this block of shard was. If I remember when I finished this, I'll stick a picture up of it on Twitter. Right painful it was the day after. Right, it swelled up the size of a fucking tennis ball. It's gone down a bit now, but it still fucking hurts. Once I sat through this effluence, I felt like digging out under a cherry tree and asking someone to come and check me at 6am the following morning. And if I didn't respond, fill the fucking hole in. Little taste of cherry reference for you there. Uh, ratings wise, I'm going to put this on a par with getting a candiru fish parasite set up home in urethra. That was the boss baby. Watch that if you want your eyeball to inflate to epic proportions. Randall's Requests Now I don't know if you remember but at the end of last week's podcast I mentioned that Big Ken was in a assault because I told him he wasn't going to get to sing another song on this podcast. Well I've had a shitload of emails from you lot saying I should give him a regular slot singing a selection of hits both old and new. Well let me tell you this, that's never going to fucking happen. But after a long and heated discussion Ken and I have come up with an agreement right? that's agreeable to both of us. And I'll get me jingles and he can sing another song. I've had to make a promise to Big Ken that he can sing another song right, when we have our first anniversary episode of Film Club. Which I think is going to be around about the 25th of April, something like that. Anyway, as I don't want anything to do with this shit, Ken and I have decided that we're going to let you lot pick the song that you want Ken to murder. So if you've got a request for him that you'd like to hear him sing, then why not drop an email in with your song requests and the one with the most votes wins, you know, that sort of thing. That just about wraps up this edition of Film Club. Uh, this podcast wouldn't be half as much fun to do if it wasn't for you lot. So if you want to chip in with an email, a request for a film review or vote for a song that you want Kent to butcher, then get in touch. The email address, as always, is randallparker1971 at gmail.com. I know I say it all the time, but I really would love to hear from you. ta for a bit.